back up talking about evangelism. This will be the last week that we talk about evangelism. It's been four weeks that we've spent talking about it. Um, you know, evangelism, when, we, when you say the word, it maybe conjures up some fear inside of you. Uh, one of the things that I know it can often do is make you feel like you're not that important of a piece in the whole puzzle of what evangelism is. We can feel like, why is it my duty when I'm really not going to make that much of an impact? Um, but we're going to look at a story today of a woman who is so insignificant that people wouldn't even communicate with her, and she changed the whole country through evangelism. So God can do incredible things through us. And so evangelism, to just remind you, we talked week one that evangelism is inviting people. And if you remember, Andrew went to his brother Simon Peter, and he said, hey, there's this guy. John the Baptist is telling us that he's even greater than him. You have to come see him. And, and through that telling him and inviting him to Jesus, we know Peter and all the amazing work he done. That was evangelism. It was just inviting somebody. That's what next week is about. It's an evangelistic message, an evangelistic service, where what I've asked of you is just invite somebody. Because we know how powerful Jesus is, right? It's nothing about me or our church. It's Jesus is so powerful. If we just invite somebody, we know that he's going to do something incredible. The second week of the series, we looked at bringing people to Jesus, that, that that's the expectation in evangelism. We invite, then we bring. And, and bringing, and, and the story we read was four friends who had, a, had another friend who was paralyzed, and they brought him to Jesus, even though it meant cutting the roof off the building to lowering down. They knew the importance of this man meeting Jesus. Last week, we talked about Zacchaeus, and we realized that evangelism is very messy, Evangelism is messy when you start digging into people's lives. And when you start living life with them, that's what evangelism is. And today, we're going to talk about evangelism is transformational. Let's pray. God, thank you this morning for your grace, your mercy in our life. And thank you for the beautiful words that we sing together that speak to the awe of who you are. God, this morning as we continue to go through this ideal of evangelism and we talk about what it means to share your good news with other people, uh, God, help us when fear and, and doubt creeps in that we would be reminded that you've just asked us to do the inviting, that you'll do the transformation. And so, God, we're so thankful for that. God, let your spirit flow free this morning. God, speak to each and every person here, and we'll give you glory in Christ's name. Amen. You know, uh, in John chapter 4, which is where we are today, um, most of you are, are most likely familiar with this story. It's the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. You're kind of familiar with the story, but we're going to read it together in just a moment. But one of the most incredible things that we all know is what leads up to this, where Jesus encounters a man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He served on the Jewish Sanhedrin, meaning that he was one of the political, religious leaders of the time. He was a very important person. Matter of fact, we believe that he played a big part in the end because not everybody voted for Jesus to be crucified. And we believe that Nicodemus was a big part of some of that. That Nicodemus was one of the ones who was secretly serving Jesus, though all the religious people hated him. And if you remember, Nicodemus, in the dead of night, went and met with Jesus because fear of people having interaction with him. And he came to him, and you want to talk about what transformation is? Nicodemus says, what does it mean to be born again? He, he struggled with this. And he asked a question that we laugh at now, but it was something he sincerely had the question of is, what does it mean to be born again? Do I enter back into my mother? And what does all this mean? And that's where Jesus 
gives him the verse that we all know it so well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's the most transformational verse that we'll read in all the scripture. It's a verse that lets me know that no matter how terrible and horrible of a person I realize that I am, that God loved me enough to die for me. And so we transition from this encounter he has to Nicodemus. And as they're making this journey, Jesus is exhausted. And we pick up in chapter 4 where he goes. And, and I promise you we'll, we'll read it and we'll stop and we'll read it and we'll stop. But when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. So you may be asking the question, why would Jesus not baptize? Because if you can imagine the arrogance that would come with somebody, after, especially after Jesus' death, to go, I was baptized by Jesus. I'm more significant than you are. And so Jesus stayed out of all that stuff. His disciples did the baptizing. But a lot of people were being baptized at this time because of Jesus' ministry. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that, was, that, that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. And so Jewish time, as you're probably aware, starts a little different than us. So the sixth hour would have been noon. So you're talking about the dead heat of the day. Jesus is tired and he makes his trip and he stops. He's tired of the journey. He's probably fatigued from ministry because even though he was fully God, he was still fully man. And a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan? From Samaria. So if you aren't aware, the Jews had no interaction with Samaritan people. Right? And so Samaria, uh, Samaria was a place that was under the Jewish throne. I mean, Manasseh, one of the tribes of, of, of Jacob, they were there. It was the son of Joseph. It was one that he had adopted in. They were there, but the Assyrians took over. And you can read about this in 2 Kings. And when they did, they began to fall in love with Jewish people. And, and so the Jews and them began to make kind of a mix their, uh, mix their DNA together. And when they would do that, it caused the Jews to not put their religious beliefs on them, but they started to adopt their idolatrous beliefs. And so as the Jews who were full-blooded Jews began to look at them, they said, we can't even interact with them because they're claiming that they're Jews. They're saying that they, they built a temple at one point, and they said, no, this is what Moses told us to do. And so the Jews were so disgusted with them. They said, they're not even a part of us. And, and, and this is the truth. They wouldn't even speak to them. As a matter of fact, they would bypass the city, which would add miles to their trip because they did not want to interact with Samaritan people. Not only that, but Jewish custom was that a man didn't speak to a woman in public. And so here's Jesus doing two things that goes against what the culture says he should do. He shouldn't be interacting with a Samaritan person. And he definitely shouldn't be interacting with a woman, who, him being a Jewish man. And so she says, what are you doing? You're talking to me in the middle of the day, and I'm a Samaritan person. And so Jesus carries on. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God... And who it, who it is that's saying this to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. 
The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water again. So Jesus and her having some dialogue and Jesus is starting to unload some spiritual principles on her that she's struggling to understand. He's saying, I can give you water that you'll never be thirsty again. He's saying spiritually, you're going through some stuff. I'll give you something that you won't at least have to go through that alone. And she's saying, I can drink some water and I'll never get thirsty again. It's kind of like a magic diet pill, right? I can take this pill and I can lose 100 pounds and I'll take it. And so she's saying, I can drink some water that you have and I'll never be thirsty again. Give it to me. And this is why I love the humor of Jesus, right? Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive you as a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on the mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship? Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship that we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him worship Him in spirit and truth. And the woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming. He is called, he who is called Christ. He comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. What an amazing story. All right? So Jesus is interacting with a woman. And I kind of want to set the stage because we, we, we see that Jesus is interacting with somebody that he shouldn't. And so we understand that. But I want you to understand even more so who this woman is. Because everything that we've talked about over the three weeks of evangelism leading up to now, comes full circle in this story. But this woman in particular, she was ostracized amongst her own people. The fact that she went to the water by herself lets you know that people didn't interact with her. And we know why. Because she obviously has a reputation. She's with her sixth man, and we don't know how many years. And so the reputation has probably spread. Men are probably saying to their wives, we don't want you to interact with this woman because we don't want whatever she's got going on to influence you. We don't want that bad uh, press that people are talking about to come on you. And so as a result, what was typically a very social thing, going and getting water together, women would come together. They would go to each other's houses. Hey, let's go get water. They would hang out at the well. They would chit-chat and talk. became this lonely journey that she had to go on every single day. And so she gets there on this lonely journey. She's been ostracized. People don't want nothing to do with her. Who even knows why the man she's with is even with her? For a, for a man of that time to be with someone who had already been with five husbands probably tells you that he was after something a little more than a relationship. And so here she is, a messy life. And what does Jesus do? 
the first thing he does is invite her. He says to her, I can give you water that will make you never thirsty again. He invites her. He says to her, evangelism is giving people the answer to the uh, given the answer to the problems that they face. When we talk about evangelism, we look at it a lot of times as we have to lay out some amazing story in order for people to be transformed, but that's not the case. Jesus knows that she has a problem, and he knows that an invitation to the solution is the only thing that's going to change your life. And every day we encounter people, whether it be through work, school, or whatever environment we're in, and we meet people who have all kinds of problems. And a lot of times we just choose to avoid the problems that they face because we can't enter into their mess because of the mess we have in our lives. When in reality what we've been commanded to do, not suggested, commanded to do through the Great Commission is to share Jesus with people who have problems because he's the answer to their problems. And so Jesus, in interacting with a woman who was going through so many things, I can imagine emotionally what kind of a person she was. She was probably a wreck. Jesus, the first thing he does is he invites her. He says, come, drink of the living water. This is confusing to her. So Jesus does something even more incredible. He brings her into his presence by revealing who he is. She says, well, I've heard that there's prophets that can tell us about our lives, and I've heard that there's a Messiah that's coming one day, and he should be able to do the things you do. But, and she's so confused through the invitation that Jesus looks at her, and he invites her into his presence. And he says to her, I'm the one that you've been waiting for your whole life. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing to know that the answer to people's problems is the very thing they've been waiting for their whole life. The people who every single day don't want to take a hit of that pipe, but they take it. They're just looking for whatever answer can fill that. And, it, and we have it. The person who turns the bottle up one more time because they can't emotionally deal with what they're facing. The answer that they want is found in coming into relationship with Jesus. It's inviting them into his presence and him bringing them into there. Now through this, in this full circle picture that we have of this woman, we see that evangelism is a very messy thing. Jesus is probably being looked at. As a matter of fact, his disciples walk up and they're like, what are you even talking to her about? Right? I mean, it looked awful for him to be stalking. As a matter of fact, they probably looked at her and said, why would she even speak to him? They think that Jesus is responding. Evangelism is messy. And as Jesus begins to dig into her life, he sees how messy it really is. And as we listen and read the story, we see that evangelism is a messy thing, but it's a necessary thing. Because if we ever want to get to the completion of what we know evangelism is, which is transformation, the only way we get to that is to get into the mess. And what I love is this woman, through this encounter with Jesus, is transformed into somebody that people didn't even know. As we skip down a little bit, we'll see his disciples come up. They marvel that he was talking with a woman, but, nobody, but, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. What an amazing thing, right? You want to talk about what transformation looks like? It's a woman who was ostracized who goes and confronts the people who ostracized her and said, I got the problem to what you face too. 
You may have looked at me and said, ah, oh, she's on her sixth man right now. She is someone who likes to lay around with other people. She's somebody who can't keep a man, and I don't want anything to do with her. And she comes to them and go, I know you have judgment problems. That's okay, but my problems have been solved, and you got to come with me and see what it is. Because transformation takes somebody who was scared of what life they were living and sets them on a platform where they go, I have to tell everybody about the amazing thing I've experienced. It's the first time I kissed a girl. When I first kissed a girl, the first thing I did when I went back to school is I had to tell everybody. Right? I was like, hey, you won't believe what happened. All right? I was 38 years old when that happened. And I said, no, I wasn't. But I remember... When it happened, I, I had to tell everybody. I was like, oh, you won't believe what happened. Like, I kissed a girl. And they're like, okay, cool, that's exciting. We're happy for you, you know? But it was something so impactful to me, I just had to tell everybody, right? And you see the excitement in this woman. Like, she leaves her water there. She came there for the one purpose, but she left with a different one, right? She came there and said, I'm here to get water. And she just goes, no, 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 you're actually here to see me. I'm going to bring you to my presence. You're going to be transformed. And you're going to leave what you used to do behind. One of the biggest fears people have in transformation is that they'll go back to the person they used to be. How many times have you met with somebody and said, I, I just can't give up what I used to do. I, I can't give it up. But we see when people encounter Jesus, they forget everything that they used to do. Right? I mean, she came there to get water and she left there without water because she had forgot what had happened. And when Jesus changed your life, you probably went to him going, what I really need your help with at this moment is I'm struggling with this. And if you could just help me in this isolated thing, I'll serve you. And we left there going, he just changed my life. I have to tell everybody about it. And that just happened to this woman. Here's the beautiful thing about evangelism. Here's the beautiful thing about transformation. Is when people are transformed, they start the circle all over again. Right? What's the first thing she did? She started inviting people. Hey, you have to go see Jesus. Like, he just told me everything about my life. And I have to just, you have to come see it for yourself. As we skip down to verse number 38, many Samaritans, excuse me, 39, many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. What an amazing thing. A woman that couldn't even tell them the weather for the day and they would listen to it has now told them about Jesus and they've come flocking to him, right? Because it's inviting. Evangelism is inviting people. It's me inviting them, me bringing them, me digging into their mess, Christ transforming them. And guess what they do? They leave the altar and they go start inviting people. And they start trying to bring people to Jesus. And they start digging into their mess. And guess what happens? He transforms them. And they go, and, and that's how discipleship works. This is start with a group of 40 people where you go, all right, everybody, I need you to listen to me. Follow my instructions carefully. It was Jesus encountering a man named Andrew and a man named John and saying to them, yeah, I'm the Messiah. John the Baptist invited him. He said, go, go follow him. He's more important than me. I can't even lace his shoes. And they left there, and they began to invite people themselves. And next thing you know, Peter comes on board, and, and James comes on board, and a man named Matthew comes on board. And before long, Jesus has 12 men that are following him. And Jesus says to those 12 men, hey, you need to start inviting people. You need to start bringing people to me. And we find over and over again in these stories that it's his disciples that are going out and they're finding people and they're bringing them to Jesus. And they're going, you have to see this person. They're demon-possessed. And Jesus goes, great, they've encountered me. I'm going to bring them into my presence and they're going to be different. And he changes their life. 
when we fail to evangelize, we put limitations on what we think God can do. It's looking at a person and going, I don't know that there's any hope for them. It's as if we say to God, you're not a big enough God to be able to do the things that that person needs in this moment. I believe the horror that we read about that happened in Virginia, just the, the, the ugliness of what humanity is, it's easy to look at the TV screen and go, there's no hope for any of those people. But really, God can do some incredible things. Some dirty fishermen who probably had some of the most vile language who people said, you don't want to interact with them. They only know curse words as their vocabulary. Became some of the cleanest, um, best-looking men when it came to their attitude and character because God changed their life. Evangelism is our mandate from Him. Evangelism is the expectation God has for Him. And evangelism is the thing that we should desire to do. We should be inviting people. We should be bringing people to Jesus. We should be digging into the mess of their life. That verse goes on where she had said that. And and when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed for two days. And many more believed because of his word. And then they said to the woman, remember the woman they wouldn't talk to, they wouldn't have anything to do with, they said to this woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that it is indeed the Savior of the world. What an incredible thing. One woman, that if I stood up here and said, here's two people that I think you could choose from to transform a world. And if I gave you the resume of a disciple and I said and there's another person they could change a whole community and they've had five different husbands and the person they live with now is their sixth person and and uh, they really don't interact with people because people don't want to talk to them and as a matter of fact they have to go out and get water in the middle of the day um, when it's hot water isn't the best to drink because it's not the coolest and the hottest of the day but but they go out and do this and if I gave you those two resumes you would be like yeah the disciple what we find is that God can take any person and transform a whole community. You want to know what will change Bonifay, Florida? Go look in the mirror. It'll be you. It's you starting with the people you work with and go, Listen, I just want to tell you that Jesus has done some incredible things to me. Because you know what evangelism is? It's me connecting a person's story and my story to God's story. When I was with Youth for Christ, they used to call it three-story evangelism. And the way that they wanted us to approach evangelism was I would sit down with somebody and I would just begin to tell my story to them. I'd be like, yeah, this has happened over my life and and God did some incredible things. And and they would start telling their story. And what I was looking to do was to let them connect to my story. And in that connection, we connect to God's story. And that's exactly what this woman did. Now, the woman has a name uh, that we have given her throughout history I think it's Phoenicia or or something in that neighborhood because the Greek Orthodox Church is actually built um, over where Jacob's well was and so this woman who's nameless in this story has developed into this character and it's all because Jesus sat down with her and heard her story and as he was digging into her mess he connected his story with her oh you need water I can give you water that'll change your life Oh, you've been waiting for a Messiah to tell you everything that you'd ever want to know about yourself? I'm Him. Evangelism starts with us. It's us inviting people. It's as simple as making a statement. Hey, you should come to church because we have some pretty cool things going on. I think that it would really help you out. 
I know you got kids. We, we got some stuff for the kids. I know you two are, are new in your marriage. This is good. This is a good foundation for you guys. It's inviting people. But it's not stopping there. It's looking at a person and go, actually, do you have a ride? If you need to, I can come by and pick you up, and I can bring you to church with me. It's going out to lunch with them and going and listening to them talk about the struggles that they're having in parenting and the struggles that they're having in their marriage and some addictions that they've been trying to battle and some demons that's haunted them for years and it's getting into the mess of their life. Because here's what we know it's proven over and over in Scripture is that when people encounter our living Savior, they leave different than the way they came. The very first encounter with Jesus was some wise men, some magi, if you remember, it says Herod set them out on a certain path. And when they encountered Jesus, they realized that he was everything they had been looking for since Daniel told them about him. And what does the Bible say? They left a different path than the way they came. The first encounter with Jesus was somebody who came there for one reason and left a different path. And then we fast forward a little bit in his life, and it's a woman who came for water but left transformed. And then we fast forward 2,000 years and it's a, it's a guy who, who came to church because he was forced but encountered Jesus and left different the way he came. It's you plugging your story in there and going, yeah, that's what evangelism is. It's, it's us changing. And we believe that Jesus can transform lives. And we believe that he is a living Savior. He is the living Savior. And we believe these things. And so it means that we tell the story because evangelism is inviting evangelism is bringing people to Jesus evangelism is messy and us diving headfirst into the mess but the reason we do those three things is because evangelism is transformational he who started a good work in you is faithful to complete that work we believe that the work we start he is going to finish in a person's life it's why when Jesus left this opportunity he was speaking to the woman his disciples are like what's going on you haven't eaten and Jesus said Hold up for a second. You're telling me that the harvest is still four months away, but I'm saying, look out there. The harvest is ready. Let me utter those words to you today. You're telling me, now Boniface is good. Boniface is good. We, we did a study of, of our, our county, and well over 50% of our county is what we would consider unchurched unchurched, not people that don't go to church. We're saying people who don't even claim Christianity as their religion. Over 10,000 people claim agnostic or no religion as opposed to Christianity. And so you're telling me, no, Boniface is good. And I'm saying, you say they're good, but I'm telling you, look at the police report. Go talk to one of the deputies. Go look at the religious facts of our community. No, our harvest is plentiful. And now evangelism has called us to be workers. And I want you to work with me. I want us to invite, bring, jump into the mess because I want Christ to transform people at this altar every single Sunday. And if we work together, he will do that very thing because he who started a great work is faithful to complete that work. Let's pray. God, thank you this morning for your grace, your mercy. God, that you looked down upon us and loved us. God, when we were questioning, why does life happen this way? Why? What does it mean to be born again? That you looked at us and said, I loved you so much that I died for you so that you could be with me. And today, that story of transformation is inside of us. It's the answer to the problems that people face. And so today, God, I ask that you challenge us each and every day in evangelism. Help us to be... 
those who are sharing the good news, whether it be through our story, through invitation, but we're just diving into the mess of people's lives and letting them know that there's a Savior who loves them. With every about every eye closed, I want to give you that chance. You want to talk about transformation. Transformation can happen this very morning. If you're here this morning, you go, I hear everything, it sounds good, but I'm not Jesus at the well, I'm the woman at the well. If you look at the story, you go, I identify with her because there's so much going on in my life. Can I tell you that he who knew no sin became sin so that you could become the righteousness of Christ? This morning, you can become the righteousness of Christ, meaning that he will transform your life. And as bad as you think you were, you're an even better person in his eyes. And so this morning, if that's you, I want to extend the invitation to come forward, find a place up here. Let me pray with you. Let Christ transform your life. Leave here different. You said, oh, no, I came because I was supposed to come to church. It's my obligation. But I'm telling you, you can meet a living Savior this morning that sends you different than the way you came. You'll leave your water jug sitting at your chair and go, I'll go wherever he tells me to go. Evangelism starts this morning with transformation in your life. This morning as we pray in our seats, we invite you to come forward and let us share that hope with you.